Hey, I'm Adi Pinar, and today I'm going to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. This episode features a conversation with A.D. Pinar. He is the author of Life Profitability. We get into that and a whole lot more. It was a really great read. I highly recommend you pick up the book. But if you're still wondering what life profitability is all about and what the story is behind it, this is the conversation for you. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with A.D. Pinar here on A Productive Conversation with Mike Vardy. So Life Profitability, the New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. I'm holding this book right here. And I've I've dog-tagged it, dog-eared it in a few different places. But I also have one of my notebooks inside a very particular part of the book. And I want to get started by, um, you're not a huge fan of labels. You mentioned that during the About the Author phase. But what what I noticed is you you said that you regard yourself as a seeker. So what do you mean by that? When you say you regard yourself as a seeker, I found that rather fascinating. It does tie into what you what you wrote in the book, but what why why is that something you want to make sure you convey to the reader? Yeah, I think for Mike for the longest time, um, as I've gone through my kind of journey, both professionally and personally, um, I had this notion around making new mistakes um, and constantly learning from mistakes. I think what I've learned about myself, I don't think you know, trial and error or making mistakes is the, like, the only way to learn. I think there's many ways to learn. But what I've learned about myself, at least, is that's one of the ways in which I learn best. And I think this, this idea of seeking then, like it truly crystallized for me. You know, a couple of years ago, I heard, I believe I heard Naval Ravikant first say it. Uh, but this idea of kind of you know, strong opinions loose, kind of loosely held. And this idea of like when you're presented with a better version of the truth, like nothing should kind of deter you to adopt that better version of the truth. And you just saying, listen, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong before. And I think at that stage, and if I look back at, I was a bit of a kind of, I would say, a um, fire starter in my younger years on kind of online. And, I, you know, I have strong opinions, but I've learned that I can kind of by seeking out new truths, by seeking out new version of versions of truth, I can kind of augment that and I can kind of continuously kind of, you know, develop. And probably one of the most concrete ways in which that's happened for me in recent years is, you know, in my, I think in my younger years as an ambitious one, you know, entrepreneur and then entrepreneur was, I would exclusively read business books, right? Because that was the way that I was going to get better. And then in the last couple of years, I probably consume about 10% of my reading is business related stuff. 90% of it is everything you know, across kind of spirituality, you know, philosophy, kind of fiction, et cetera. Just again, like that's me seeking out these better versions of truth uh, in the universe already, right? That I can just kind of use and I can adopt the things that that resonate and is relevant at that moment in my life. Well, it's really amazing. And as I went through the book and I listened to a couple of conversations that you have with other people, it's it's when experience and knowledge kind of intersect to the point where wisdom shows up. And obviously experience, not just of experience in the business world as an entrepreneur, but just life experience. When all those things kind of uh, coalesce, right? They come together. That's when you kind of can get away from the, okay, I'm not just going to read business. You start to explore. Like you said, you start to look into these other things and it just, uh, it, it creates a, a totally different perspective, right? Yeah. Because I think many of these things, or like, let me say the other way around. Very few of these things are, I think, are absolute truths. 
in our life, right? There's nothing, no single thing that I, that I've stumbled on where I can say, you know what, in all cases with all context, like this thing will be the truth, right? Fully the truth. But I think is 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 magical is as you say that when when these things start overlapping when they coalesce right, we I, I believe we are illuminating bigger parts of the truth, and I think that's that's more important right just as like seeking like as a way of life like seeking out like how can I illuminate bigger parts of this truth because when I then encounter whatever situation in future or moments in future, I have a broader spectrum of just experiences knowledge you know from which to draw to navigate that moment. I want to, before we dive too much into this book, during the uh, initial exploration of me going through the book, I realized that you wrote a book of poetry that's available through Amazon. It's called Motion. And there was a poem that came up there. There was a term in, in I believe it was the capture section, the capture part of, of the book. And you talk about relent, relentless ambition. And this does come up in, in life profitability for sure. And there. I, I, it just reminded me of a piece I wrote a few years ago called The Toxicity of Relentless Ambition. And it just hearkened to that. Um, you do mention that ambition is, is, can be your friend in this book. But can we touch on a little bit how, about how the, the pros and cons of ambition real quick? Ambition generally is such a strong force and energy. And I think um, the, the way I see it today, Mike, is very much in that kind of your realm of, of uh, well, I first encountered it in the realm of Buddhism. I didn't know whether that's the origin, but, um, and specifically Alan Watts, um, who I absolutely love uh, kind of you're listening to, but he explains it that, you know, we only know light because we only, you know, also know dark. And that was a big part of what I learned, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when, you know, I got to a point in my life where everything seemed to fall apart. And what my therapist seemed to kind of help me understand was, that this one mode of 80, this very ambitious mode that's always you know, future focused, kind of running at you know, 120 miles an hour, whatever the case is, that's mostly good, but it also has a cost to it. And I think that's, that's how I see ambition, right? Like it's such a forceful, magical, amazing kind of energy to have in one's life, but it doesn't mean that it does not have a cost. Like that counter force that we understand in physics, like that is there as well. And I think when those things almost get out of, balance is probably not the best word right but when like that that the correct amount of tension between the kind of the forward moving force and the cost kind of the reactionary force isn't there like i think then it is relentless like then it just ne- then it just never stops right and i think that's where sometimes in some moments the costs start outweighing the benefits well and you mentioned balance there for a second i want to get to that because that that comes up again it's a, it's a constant theme in in this book um, and I'm I'm actually wearing my Dr. Fate shirt right now as we're doing this. And I'm uh, again, I, I tend to lean. Yes, I read lots of different things. I read philosophy. I read I, I love Alan Watts stuff. The book that you mentioned right off the top, When Breath Becomes Air, I, I had heard I'd it kept coming up in my feed somewhere along the lines. And I'm a big believer in in kind of these idea of omens that show up, you know, when they, when they, when they show up. So I, I literally ordered the audible version of it today and started listening to it. I, I'm definitely a, a paper reader, but I want this story to be told to me. And when, when you talk about balance, uh, I, I couldn't help but think about Dr. Fate. I have a, 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 you can't really see it from here, but I have a, a custom print that was done by a, a, an artist over Etsy that it just says balance. And Dr. Fate says that he doesn't fight for the Lords of, or he fights, even though he works for the Lords of order, he doesn't fight for order. 
he fights for balance. So chaos and order, you know, they, they need to be there. Like that balance is key. And you, you, the, the term work-life balance absolutely drives me nuts. I used to say, you know, work-life integration, work, work, uh, harmony, harmony, I think is a good one too, but we don't need to put that adjective in front of the word balance anymore. And you, you allude to that a lot, a lot in this book. And I want to get into that right away. So when you think of balance and when you think of this idea of work-life balance, what are your thoughts on that? What are your insights on that as you've gone through the process of, of not only being an entrepreneur, but also, you know, I mean, the whole family life that you experience. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> so I think that the biggest thing that gets me a little riled up um, and a little too excited is this idea that, especially like using the you know example of work-life balance, it proposes that there's two kind of ends of a scale. And those two parts are the only two parts that kind of need to get, they keep each other in balance. And I think anyone that's ever kind of had a bad day at work and kind of taken it back home to their home life, to their spouse, to their families, or vice versa, like they know that these two things are not that mutually exclusive, right? That there is, there's a much more connectedness and interplay between these two things. But beyond that, because as it, like, I think that again, like that means that those people that try and pursue work-life balance, I don't think they ultimately get what they want from it. But broader than that, I think that there's just there's just so many other things in life, right? And I think you know, this notion that we want to say we only have work and we only have life, like it's such a meh, like that's such an empty, like it just makes me feel like empty, right? To think like if this is all that life is, like it's I work and then I try and live in between, like that's not enough for me. So I think that there's just so many more magical things as humans that we could be kind of prioritizing, could be investing and in, could be nurturing and nourishing. And all of those things then create that kind of, I mean, again, like I'll, I'll use the Alan Watts, but where they all become these atoms that are just literally playful and they bubbly, bubbly, bubbly. Like, I think that's, and then there is harmony is probably a better word. Equilibrium is a better word, right? Where all these things, like they will move out of balance or out of equilibrium and they will move back in. But as soon as we force it down this kind of very narrow path of saying, this could only be work or life, then of course we're going to be out of balance constantly, right? Because it's just two nodes pulling. As soon as we can put more of things that are already there, and I'm not suggesting we add superficial or artificial things into the mix, by just acknowledging all those other atoms that are really spinning in our world, the things that are important to us, i.e. our health, right? That's something inherent to this pursuit. By just acknowledging that, we're adding more kind of nodes there that can ultimately kind of keep each other in better balance by just acknowledging it. We're, we're segmenting them wrong. Basically, we're categorized. There's no need to put it under work and life. Like there's so much other nuanced stuff inside of there. Better to say balance and go, okay, what are all the elements there, right? Um, there's a quote that you bring up when you start talking about lightening your load in chapter two. I want to read it. In the measurement world, you set a goal and strive for it. In the universe of possibility, you set the context and light, let life unfold. Benjamin Zander, The Art of Possibility. And when I, when I read that, it was like, oh, he's going to go into quantitative and qualitative stuff here. He's going to lean it because what drives me nuts as a productivity person, someone who like goes into this is so, so many people are driven by what, how many things did I get done? Did I get to inbox zero? How many boxes did I check off? And they don't, they, so they think about it in quantitative terms, right? Because that's the measuring tool that people often apply, but qualitative productivity is, is so much, it often gets neglected. So let's, let's dive in as someone who runs as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, and someone who's a successful entrepreneur, you I mean, you've, you've, you've done a lot. 
it's not like you're forsaking quantitative stuff, but you're, I think when, when you're going through this, you're like, okay, listen, it's not all about measuring numbers. There's other things to measure, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think like, just, just, I understand why people gravitate to the quantitative stuff, right? It's easier to kind of measure, right? It's completely objective. It's not subjective at all. Right. Right. So I, I, I get that. Um, I also just know that merely accomplishing those kind of your know, quantified goals doesn't necessarily completely serve me or serve the goal that I wanted to achieve here, right? And, and, and the example I often use is I very rarely think that anyone that says that they have a monetary goal, for example, actually wants to achieve that. Like they don't want the monetary goal. They want to kind of get what the monetary goal gets them, right? I.e. if that goal is I want to make a million dollars, they don't want a million dollars sitting in a bank account somewhere necessarily. They want to pay off debt. They want to buy the kind of your dream home. They want to maybe buy a fancy sports car or take a trip. Like they want those kinds of things, right? So like I think and then when I think about that as a quantified goal, I, I'm trying to think through and into your point of ticking things off a to-do list, right? Yes, that feels good. Yes, there's a nice objective kind of feedback, external feedback loop, like outside of me, it says, hey, I had a productive work day. But what it probably neglects is like, hey, was this like really kind of just a crappy work day for me? Like, did, did I feel energized or did I not feel energized, right? And crucially, like, did I do the right things? I think like the you know, the, my one experience here, Mike, is I, I would consider myself a hard worker and a really productive kind of person in general. But again, like just on my journey and a, you know, a big pivot point was me realizing that on this very productive kind of, you know, path that I was on, like all these quantifiable achievements that I've kind of gotten to, I totally neglected all those life costs that I kind of incurred because I just neglected those things because they weren't easy to you know, kind of measure, i.e. the friendship that I, like the friend that I had that I didn't connect with because I was always working, right? Like they weren't, like there was no quantified measure in which I could say like, am I being a good friend or not? If I asked them, like they would have probably said, no, AD was being absolutely dick with, you know, to me. Like he kept not replying to my messages, right? Yeah, they're not going to give you a score sheet. <laughs> exactly, right? And I think like that's why we so easily neglect these these qualitative kind of feedback loops in our life because they're a little messier like you need to and when i say messier like obviously if anyone gives you feedback you need to try and sift through like what is the like the, the actual truth there like i.e take the emotion out of it etc so yes it is harder to do but that doesn't mean that those things are not important and i think crucially if you if you wanted to build a life and you want to set goals in your life that were more holistic and wholesome and and really kind of you know, geared towards empowering you to be the kind of person you want to be today, tomorrow, in the future, is I think you need to kind of start incorporating more of those kind of less obvious, harder to measure things in your life as well, even if it's just an awareness of those things. I'm not even advocating that you need to try and take kind of some kind of qualitative thing and try and come up with a quantifiable measure. I think even just checking in for me, I know that I can just kind of you know, check in with, hey, how am I feeling? Right. Yes, business is going great, but why is there a kind of discontent in what, what I'm doing? Is it because I am suddenly having to have calls late at night because this is what the business needs? And it's like, you know what? That's actually not the way that I want to work. I need to change something here. Uh, we're going to get deeper into some of the ways that you are going to offer some measurement to qualitative stuff later on, because that comes up at the tail end of the book. But we go through the different, the, the, the life profitability stuff when it comes to the priority of self, 
the priority of others, and then the priority, of course, of, uh, and I'm missing it, a business, of course. But I want to get into what, one, th one thing that I, I found as I went through it was this idea of burnout. And burnout's come up a few times with past guests, my episode, uh, you know, of the podcast, and the idea of consistency has come up quite a few times. But the thing that I, I haven't seen come up too many times, at least not driven home as much in the work of the people that I, I talked to on this program, is this idea of sustainability. So people are like, be consistent, be consistent, show up every day, hustle, that, hustle, all that stuff. But when you brought up sustainability, again, it was like, a, I was like, great. Like, I want to see what AD is saying about sustainability, because I think that's the, one of the missing pieces. We, we, we're going to talk about flexibility and all that stuff a bit later, too, because I mean, I, I definitely am I'm into that. But when I saw that, um, that was something that really resonated with me. So when you, what are some things that people you think th that they can do to kind of cultivate some sustainability when it comes to this idea of life profitability, because I think that's one of the key ingredients. Yeah, totally. So I think like the, the first thing for me is to, to rethink through what self-sustainability really means. I think sustainability starts with each of us as an individual. And if you use the example of, you know, an entrepreneur building a business, ultimately um, yes, you, you, the goal ultimately is for the business to be bigger than a single person, you know, bigger than the entrepreneur, but for the biggest part of the journey, the entrepreneur is likely one of the most important kind of your, your people or individuals on kind of that journey. And I think to your point of burning out, if I don't take care of myself and I burn out, then the business will suffer as well, right? And I think that's where that idea of sustainability comes in. If I can do things that are kind of very closely related to my core, to my highest values, then I'm giving myself and, and I'm making sure that this body that I have right, on this universe, on this planet, then I can probably kind of you know, push on longer and I can work on this for kind of longer, which means that there's that kind of already that first part of sustainability there. But then the idea that I love kind of you know, putting out there is, um, you know, think about playing board games and this idea of kind of when one game finishes, then you can just restack the board and you can play again. And oftentimes what happens in our kind of, I'll just say kind of ambitious pursuits, whether it's business or otherwise, we push so hard that we get to the end of that journey. We, we, we fail because failure is, happens often in our society, right? We fail at that thing, but then we're so burnt out. We're like, we've accumulated so much scar tissue and kind of life costs elsewhere that we literally don't have the means to restack the board and have another go at this. And I think that's what is important. Sustainability here for me is not sticking to necessarily sticking to the same business for 30 or 40, 50 years or sticking to the same career for that amount of time. I think change is perfectly fine. Going from the one thing to the next, leveling up, sometimes taking you know three st steps back to take two steps forward. All of those things are absolutely fine. I think we just need to make sure that we stay, as I said, stay within our core, like identify what our true kind of your know, highest values are try manifest those because that gives us a path to at least that self-sustainability, regardless of what it is that we're working on, thinking about, um, you know, kind of the goals that we're pursuing at this moment in our journey. Plenty of things can take a toll on your happiness. What interferes with yours? Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, maybe you want to get that book finished. Maybe you want to start to look elsewhere for work. Maybe you just want to have better relationships, not just with others, but with yourself. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own 
licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There are licensed professional counselors who are specialized in a wide variety of fields like stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, anger, grief, self-esteem, depression, and more. You can also send a message to your counselor anytime. That's the convenience factor I'm talking about. And you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And you can do this all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great matches as well, so they make it really easy and free to change counselors if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Plus, the service is available for clients worldwide. BetterHelp is convenient. BetterHelp is professional. BetterHelp is affordable. And I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener of the Productivity is Podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash timecrafting. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash timecrafting. Business isn't business as usual anymore. And starting up is more challenging in this changing environment. Sit Down Startup is a new weekly podcast from Zendesk. Our startups team brings together Zendesk leaders with founders and CEOs in a coffee shop style conversation who solve real problems, sharing the successes and pitfalls of customer engagement. Catch weekly fresh new episodes on Apple, Google, and Spotify. What's interesting is the word sustenance, right? Like what we need to survive and we sustenance is sustainability, right? Like consistency is never, I, I would, I would, uh, when people say be consistent, show up every day, that's fine. But what if what you're doing isn't working anymore? What if it's scaled beyond it? And this came up not only in your conversation with Srini, but also uh, is Paul Jarvis that caught quoted and Paul, uh, Paul and I've had many chances to converse both on this podcast, but also he doesn't live too far from me here. And the idea the, the quote that actually came up was from uh, what is it? It's uh, regard regarding the uh, the idea of growth as a cancer, right? Which I, it is not originally attributed to him, but he does bring it up. And Paul is a great example of somebody who knows when, uh, who knows when to go, you know what? This isn't working for me anymore. I'm just going to do this thing now. And the idea of growth, which, and it fascinated me, the idea of growth uh, being not really worthwhile unless it's, you know, it comes up in the term, you know, medical terms of cancer business. We, we tend to look at it like, well, we got to grow. We got to grow. We got to grow. We got to grow. Um, it leads to that idea of, of good enough, which you bring up in the book. And I've had this long-standing, um, wouldn't say argument, but uh, thoughts around enough. And the reason that, and I want to, I want to discuss this a little bit, is the term "enough" has meant to me for the longest time. You're one step away from not right. You're one step away from not having enough, right? Like enough is just the bare minimum plus one. And so I, I like to use the word plenty like i have plenty not too much not too but what's interesting is when i was going through the book and there's again anyone who's listening or watching you pick up the book there's a lot of nuances in here that you're not going to pick up during our conversation but then when you get into abundance it's the idea of okay 
it's all just nuanced terms. So enough doesn't need to be one step above. Uh oh, I'm in trouble now. It, you get to define that, right? Yeah, and I think that's the the biggest thing here, Mark. Is I, <laughs> I've gotten to a point in my life where, as I interact online and as I see, um, you know, people with strong opinions and big audiences share things. Um, there's so much dogma out there, and I've like I've I've recognized and I've acknowledged the fact that when it when it looks like dogma, it likely is, and I should steer clear of it. Right? I think I just think the world is way more nuanced, and I purposely when I went out to to write my book here, I didn't want to write that kind of 10 step blueprint to life profitability. Cause I don't believe in that. I don't believe that there is a kind of universal thing here that I can propose to anyone that says, do these things in this order, in this way, and it's going to get you to X. And I think crucially, like regardless of what language we all, all use, like we all have slightly different understandings. We attach slightly different meanings to these words. I think what is, what is crucially more important. I mean, you mentioned that kind of your priority of self than others and then business. Like the whole idea there was, this, these concentric circles, and they ultimately emanate from me. And that sounds a very kind of selfish thing to do, but the reality is, and there's a there's a beautiful poem, I believe it's in, you know, included in the book, um, by a contemporary po poet called um, Young Pueblo. And he essentially says that kind of, I can only offer you what I've only, what I've already kind of gotten for myself, right? Or what I understand, I think he uses understand about myself. And I think like, that's what I implore people to do here is like, you have to go back like to yourself, like, go back to that core. Like that's the foundation from which we do everything in our lives. And I think regardless of which words we then use to kind of, you know, either define, you know, enough, plenty, abundance, like all of those things are moot. I think what is important is having an awareness of like, what would we put what I call our, our life portfolio? What, what do I need to put in there? Right. And yes, for me, like work, you know, and ambition is part of that. Um, my family, my home life, crucial part of that. Um, being able to geek about out about wine, drink loads of wine as I do that. That's oh boy, kind of, uh, we could go there. <laughs> <laughs> we could go there, right? Like that, 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 that's part of it. Um, I don't game a lot, but I, I need to get like, the only game that I play is FIFA on the PlayStation. That needs to be in my life portfolio, as do many other things, right? As like we spoke about seeking and learning, like those things need to be in my life portfolio. But when I look at that whole portfolio, that's essentially the question that I'm trying to answer here is, what do I need to do today to make sure that I make the due investments across that whole portfolio? So in the same way that you would structure any financial portfolio, constantly rebalancing things, hedging things over here, diversifying things by doing something else. That's the only thing that I'm trying to do here. So it's not about then saying kind of really drawing a line of this is like the bare minimum, this is my enough and anything beyond that is, is cream on top or saying like, I can shoot for the stars, there's abundance everywhere. It's, it's really just as a start saying, what is in my life portfolio at this stage? What needs to be in there? I.e. what is getting neglected? And then making sure that I can wake up every day, every week. Again, shorter cadence is better, right? Obviously there's things that I'm not necessarily gonna do every single day or every week even. Some things are monthly and quarterly, right? But like, I only go to my doctor for an annual checkup, right? I don't see her every single week, right? To check in on my health. But what I'm trying to figure out is on what kind of cadence do I need to be aware of these things in this life portfolio and then make those due investments, like to make sure that they're nurtured, that they stay healthy in their own right. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. 
In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Well, and, and again, as you mentioned, these evolve, these change, there's nuance. I mean, that's the world does not operate in, in black and white. It's shades of gray, right? And I mean, so are our lives, right? So to be able to say like, this is what the, I mean, enough is going to change. Plenty abundance is going to change. And abundance isn't just like you said earlier. It's not going to be just about, okay, I have abundance in, in work and I have abundance in life. Oh no, I don't have abundance in life. How do I, and, and we're often playing the shell game, right? Where we're trying to rob from one to pay. And it, it, it actually, this is, this is when, when you were talking about this in the book, the idea of journaling as one of the places to go, I find that to be, and listeners of this show know that I am a huge advocate for journaling for productivity. Like, absolutely. Just, I mean, it, it helps with productivity, but it helps me just making sure that you can course correct as well. Plus it gives you the, I mean, one thing I'm apt to say is if the calendar is the directory of your days and the to-do list is the details of your days, then the journal is the story of your life. Like that's really what it is because you get to see the emotion behind the, oh, I, you know, I hung out and had a great conversation with 80 today and this is what it was. Otherwise, all I would see is on the ledger, oh, from 11 to 11.45, 80 and I were talking, I wouldn't have anything in there. Why, uh, first off, how valuable has journaling been to you? And to take it to the next level, why does journaling matter? Yeah, I think um, how valuable it's been. Um, I think at crucial junctures, uh, Mike, and I, and I think the disclaimer here is I don't necessarily journal every single day, right? I, I incorporate a couple of times a week and I incorporate in different formats, right? I mean, oftentimes journaling in my mind is just publishing kind of a, a blog post, exploring kind of the things that are in my head, right? Right. Or writing poetry, like like this book. I mean, everything that that I've seen you write is like, oh, these are these could be journal entries. He's just going, here, world, go learn from me here. Exactly right. So, um, but you know, speaking about that value, like at crucial junctures in my past, like when I had to make big decisions, like for example, should I sell a business? I was able to go back to where I'd previously considered something else, like something similar or something where I felt a similar emotion and you can start kind of pattern matching there. And I think like, that's ultimately like, that was the, the value for me is understanding as soon as things become a little cyclical, 
then you start recognizing that, hey, this is the this, this same 80 that was at this specific point, like two years ago, like he's still there. And like my perspective hasn't changed much because these emotions, these emotions, the context to this, the facts are slightly different, different kind of your propositions are selling different amount, all those things, but the same 80 is still there. And I often find like the, the one thing that I will throw out there as a book recommendation, like that I, like for any ambitious person, um, if you've not read Siddhartha, Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Oh man, that's, that, that is a, it's a heavy, but yes. <laughs> yes. So, but, but the reason I, and I and I won't spoil it, but, but it's all about that journey. Right. Um, and I think what my writing has just allowed me is leaving those breadcrumbs. Right. And by all means, anyone that has a kind of is really disciplined with regards to their calendar and, you know, to-do list. Like, I think those are valuable breadcrumbs to have as well. Journaling, if, especially if you're open and you're willing to share that emotive kind of mental state that you're in whilst kind of, you know, penning down these, you know, penning down these words is just that additional layer of context. And I think being able to reflect on those every now and again, you develop the skill of seeing patterns in yourself. Because to your point, I think, you know, a lot of things in our life changed often. The things that are unlikely to change in the short term or ever for that matter, I think are our highest values. I think they're more ingrained in terms of who we are. And the key is for us is to identify like those things and how they play out, play out in different contexts. Because when we see that, then we can already, like, then we don't have to struggle against it, right? Like I, I, I know, for example, like, as like one thing I know about me is um, I'm a bit of a rebel at, at heart. And I know that if anyone ever proposes a rule that seems very black and white, like I go, like I'm triggered, right? And I immediately go to the, like, how, how can I find a way to break this rule now, right? And that's not necessarily the best kind of reaction to have, but at least I know that. So I often don't try and do that. And I think like that is that kind of the, that self-awareness that we need to grow ultimately. And I said, writing, sharing my writing, um, but at least leaving those breadcrumbs, like whether it's in my private kind of notebooks, whether it's on my blog, whether it's on my kind of your Twitter feed, they are there. And when I do reflect, like I can start seeing those little patterns and I've built out that awareness about who I am, what is really important to me and crucially how I react, how I feel in specific context, like that is very, very helpful. Well, and, and through the book, you mentioned like you, you almost lost everything that was really valuable to you. You said you're like, you're first thing's like, you don't want to talk about labels. We talked about it off the top of the program, but you're a family man. And yet the very thing that you held the most dear almost was gone. And I think that, that it's those soft skills. Like you're talking about awareness, clarity, focus, like, and stepping back. Most people confuse productivity and achievement with go, go, go fast, fast, fast. Now, now, now let's just keep the, but it's, it's a journey, right? It's part of the, I mean, you, you can't just go all the time without taking a step back. If someone's struggling with that, I mean, because, because they're so caught up in this idea of, well, I know I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to put in the hours. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to grind. What, what pattern breaking technique can you give somebody to say, Hey, listen, I get it. I've been there. I, I, I know where you're at. But there's other things that are, you know, you want to make sure that it's not just all about the biz. It's all, I mean, it's got to be, there's more to it than that. How do you help somebody kind of recognize that or at least have a trigger say, go, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Uh, maybe I do need to take a step back. I think as a start, like, I think what we, like, what I would love to do to try and kind of almost normalize here is that we 
start thinking differently about the words that we actually use, right? So like even using words like hustle and grind, like grind is such a, like, oh, like um, I had a similar thought the other day uh, talking about a deadline. It's like, why would we ever use that word? Like you're not getting to that kind of your, your point in time and saying like, I'm dead, right? Like it's such a weird way in which words, I think, kind of play into our psychology. So like, I think finding kinder words and finding a way to ultimately be kinder to ourselves in that sense, like I think is a part of it. What does NASA call fail? They don't call it failure. They call it our first attempt at success, I think is what they call it. Yeah, when something happens, they, they don't call it failure. They call it the first attempt at success. I heard that the other day and I'm like, that's, that's an interesting, again, it's just a quick, sp a reframe, right? Exactly. So, so, so it's very much kind of your glass half full versus glass half empty. And I think like there's definitely power in words and how words help with mindset and beliefs, right? I think that's the, the first part thereof. But really in terms of kind of anyone that, um, you know, is at that point in their life where they feel like they, I, I, I'm this hamster on this wheel. Um, there is this momentum now, but it's all not all great momentum. In fact, kind of my legs are feeling a little weary. Um, and sometimes I don't want to run anymore, but the kind of the wheel just spins. I would probably propose that they just take that step back and they literally just ask themselves like, listen, you know, like what are my highest values? What are the things that I truly value? And the thing that, um, that helped me don't have to read the whole book, but uh, there's a book called the values factor by Dr. John D. Martini. And you can probably find the th 13 questions are included in my book as well. Um, but I think if you just Google, you know, values factor 13 questions, and it's just 13 questions that allow you to start looking at your life as is and figuring out like, what are those, at least a few of those kind of values that you put out there? Cause it's literally things like, you know, Hey, where do you spend your money? Um, look at your kind of your work, your, your workplace. Like, is it organized? Is it not organized? What do you put on your shelves? Right. Cause those things generally your actions tend to kind of, you know, uh, at least represent what your values are, right? They inform them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look behind me right now and you can see I'm into comic books and I've got vision and all this stuff around me. If you're watching this on YouTube, it definitely informs values. Exactly right. So and the idea there is, um, is just taking, because we mostly do those things in a subconscious way, right? So we're not thinking, you're just saying like, I am buying this because I'm into comics, right? But there's probably like evaluating that you might say like, hey, this is actually what it says about me as a person right? Like, this is why I'm doing these things. And I think like, that is where that awareness comes in, because there's no right or wrong there. It's just like, hey, like, this is where I feel energized. And I think that's a kind of a big part of what I what, again, like, that I want to advocate for here is for anyone that is ambitious, we, we need to acknowledge that the very notion of a capitalistic society, the very model of capitalism was invented by human beings. And we all agree that human beings are not perfect this can't be like in no way is this model perfect i'm not trying to break it down i'm just saying in no ways can it be perfect right i think hence why like if we constantly kind of orientate ourselves towards that then we're always going to kind of you know fall short it's not a perfect model if we go internally we probably have a much better chance of you know finding that somewhat kind of you know perfect blend of what it is to to, to be 80 to be mike um, and to operate in this universe the book is called Life Profitability. There is, uh, there's actually like assessments and stuff. You, you have to go through this book. So I will, uh, I will admit, I initially skimmed because I was like, I'm gonna skim it and go through. And then as what's what's you know, it's a good book when you skim, and things catch you, and then you double back and you double back. And this and you meant this is not a book. And I've had a lot of people that have give me books like, oh, you can go to this part and this part and this part and this part. I would recommend that when you go through this book, you go through it from 
cover to cover. Like that's, it's, it's just really, it's very authentic. You've poured it out all on the page here and I really appreciate it. I also suggest you go to check out your book on poetry because it, I was, there was, a, there was a, there's the poem I mentioned reframing. I'm like, wait, you wrote a poem about reframing. And it had something to do with reframing your wiring and you wind up with a bird's nest, I think is what it was, right? Or something like that. I'm like, this is, this is, because there's so many different interpretations you could have to that too. Um, last question before I let you go. When you play FIFA 21, what team do you play as? Ooh, I play ultimate team. So um, I've gotten completely stuck in it. Like that's the, like I spend too much time. So, so you just play, you just grab players from all over the world. Yeah. Jamie Vardy doesn't happen to make an appearance on your team ever, does he? No, none of this stage. My, <laughs> I, I, I believe the best striker that I can currently afford um, in my configuration is Aubameyang. Ah, okay. See, I never used to pay. See, again, values change, right? I never, I never used to pay attention to football. I never did. Um, and uh, until one day, and that I was, it was what 2016, I think it was. And the name Vardy started to trend on Twitter. And my, my friends are like, why? Like I had a message going, why is Vardy trending on Twitter? And there were not, there's Vardy is not a popular last name at all. And I go, what is this? And I find out that this guy is lighting it up. And by the way, his story is incredibly inspiring. Like he was a, a you know, a workman kind of work rate. He was not an elite. And now look, he's what won the golden boot last year. I mean, he's on a bit of a slump as we're recording this right now, but um, I, the reason that I paid attention to football was because I could finally put my last name legitimately on the back of any sports Jersey at all. So it didn't matter. So now I pay attention to football and what I like about football and I have FIFA as well. Um, it's on easy level and I play as Leicester city and I normally do very well because <laughs> easy level, but what I do appreciate about it as a, as someone who wants to, you know, level up my business at the same time and also spend time with my family is you can have a game on in the background and when they score you've got like oh i can go back because scoring is infrequent we just got beat just to date this recording we got beat by uh man city uh yeah two nil we should have been beaten by way more uh <laughs> And City is looking real good, which which I appreciate by the way, because I'm a United fan. Um, oh, my my buddy is a United. We just beat you. We beat you at uh, we beat you. Uh, what was it going into the was it the FA FA the Cup right? FA Cup, yeah. A buddy of mine, uh, another a, a business entrepreneur friend of mine, Aiden, who also knows Andrew Wilkinson, who we talked to before we jumped onto the full recording here. Um, him and I, and we haven't been able to get together because of the pandemic. But but Aiden and I watched the game on Boxing Day, the Boxing Day game. We watched over Zoom and uh, it was quite, I think, well, this was a draw. It was a draw. I think that game was a draw, um, but we play again. What as of, so we were, we're recording in April. So I think what, six weeks from now, I think we play. It's like the second to last match of the season. I mean, you're destined is so we're now we're neck and neck. I don't, I think we're in the top three. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be man city. Of course, it, I think man, you will finish second. And I think we'll finish third. I mean, I, unless we fall off a cliff and then West, I mean, was it West Ham's in fourth right now for some parody in the premier league is unbelievable <laughs> for the first time ever. It's no longer the big, what is it? The big five or big six, but yeah, that's so again, back to values. Like I didn't pay attention to that. The only reason is because uh, Vart, like my name, the fact that it got on the back of sports years, I'm like, Oh, that's important to me. I'm going to pay attention to this. And one of my buddies has said, 
if if Vardy ends up going to play somewhere else, he goes, are you going to still follow Leicester? I'm like, I'll still follow Leicester, but you know I will follow the team that Vardy goes to for sure. Why wouldn't I, right? <laughs> anyway, thanks, AD. This has been great. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the on the show today. Where can people go to learn more about you and pick up the book? Yeah, um, more about me, uh, my personal website, adii.me. There's links to the book all over there. The Probably the easiest way for most people is to, to grab a copy on Amazon, both digital and paperback is on there. Awesome. Thanks so much again for joining me today on the Productivious Podcast. Thanks, Mike. So there you have it. I'm really, really happy I had the chance to talk to AD. Uh, You can get all of the information and show notes and everything either in the podcast app you're using right now to listen to this podcast or at productivityist.com slash podcast 385. And that'll help you get everything you need to move things in the right direction in terms of getting more out of this episode. And if you want to get more out of every episode of A Productive Conversation, then become a subscriber. You won't miss a single episode, including next week's episode featuring long-awaited guest Jeff Brown, the author of Read to Lead, the co-author of Read to Lead. And also, um, you get easy access to the archives, which makes things simpler and more efficient and more productive when it comes to listening to this podcast. So become a subscriber today in Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.